Um, a couple of weeks ago, I shared, a few weeks ago, I shared on um, doing justice from Micah 6, 8. And we looked at what biblical justice is and why we should do justice as Christians and how we are to do justice as Christians. And we talked about um, doing justice is a response. God calls Christians to do justice in society as a response to who he is, what he has said, and what he has done. And so we talked about, and we talked, we tried to define justice because there's a lot of different ideas about what, biblical, what justice looks like, and the Bible gives us some clarity on that, and it gives us some why behind why we, why we pursue it, why we are to be people of justice. And I'd like to build on that particular message that I preached on a couple weeks ago, uh, talking about Jesus and justice, because Jesus, our Lord and Savior, modeled for us better than anybody who ever walked the earth. He modeled a life of doing justice perfectly. He's described as the just one who would establish justice on the earth. And justice is a characteristic of his kingdom that he brought here on earth. And so my desire this morning for us as, as we gather here and online is that we get a good glimpse of the beauty of of the justice that we see in our Lord Jesus Christ, and that we respond in being people who seek to do justice in the world as well. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, in Isaiah 42, verse 1, before we look at Luke 4, uh, there's this prophecy about Jesus, a messianic prophecy, and it says this. It says, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen, and whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice, and he will not faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth. And the coastlands wait for his law. Amen? So Jesus is described as this, this one who would be sent by the Father into the world to bring justice and establish justice in the world. And when Jesus started his ministry... After he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was baptized by John the Baptist and the Holy Spirit came upon him. And the father says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then Jesus goes into the wilderness and fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. He was tempted by the devil and he passed every single one of those tests that he faced. He didn't give in to, the Satan's, to Satan's temptations. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. He resisted with the word of God. And it says in Luke that he returned in the power of the Spirit. 
He returned in this power of the Spirit, and he was going about preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, calling people to repent. And then he showed up. He showed up in his own hometown in Luke 4 and verse 16. It says, He came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. Jesus faithfully went to church. He went to church. That was his custom to weekly attend the synagogue for corporate worship. And he showed up there, and he uh, stood up to read. And the scroll of he, and, the, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it was written. And he, re- and he read these words. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll And he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And and he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at his gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? And they said to him, Doubtless you will quote, to me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. What, what we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your own hometown as well. And he said, truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up for three years and six months, and a great famine came over the land, and Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elijah, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman, the Syrian. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. And they rose up and drove him out of town and brought him to the brow of a hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through the mist, he went away. All God's people said, Amen. So here's the big idea. Jesus modeled a life of doing justice, addressing injustice, And he satisfied the demands of divine justice for our sin. Jesus modeled a life of doing justice, addressing injustice. And he satisfied the demands of divine justice for our sin. Jesus did justice by serving the marginalized and the underprivileged. When Jesus showed up in his own hometown at the synagogue and he read from Isaiah, he read Isaiah 61. And this here is a quote from Isaiah 61 pointing to the Messiah who would come. 
this kingly Messiah who would come and who would bring justice in the world. And these are some of the ways that Jesus would bring justice in the world. And as you, re- you may remember a couple weeks ago when we talked about justice, biblical justice, the, the Hebrew word is mishpat. Okay? And, and so sometimes it refers to retribution, retributive justice, where God repays. He gives payment and recompense to those who deserve their dues, whether that's good or whether that's bad, whether they've done bad or whether they've done good. And there's also restorative justice, where, where there's, there's working towards helping those who are vulnerable, defending those who are vulnerable. Okay? And when Jesus came the first time, he focused on restorative justice. And this verse describes that. When he returns the second time, there will be an emphasis on retribution, on him bringing judgment on wrongdoers who persist in their wickedness. But Jesus came and he did justice by serving the marginalized and the underprivileged. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Good news to the poor. Jesus had an announcement of, of, of a new kingdom, a new way with, with, with blessings that are accessible to anyone, to, to everyone who would come by faith. He had good news, uh, the good news of, of the kingdom of God. And in those days, there, there were a couple of options that, that many people tended towards. One of those options was uh, the, the Qumran c- community who they, they, they withdrew, okay, they withdrew from the world, okay, and, and, and they were not engaged with worldly affairs, and they withdrew to live holy lives. So there was that option, okay? There was the option of, of siding with, with Herod, King Herod, and having political compromise. There was the option of becoming a zealot and seeking violent revolution to overtake the Roman authorities. But Jesus came, and he brought a different option, a nonviolent option. He came to establish a kingdom in the world, not by withdrawing from the brokenness of the world, but by moving towards the broken people, the marginalized people, the sinners, the outcasts, the immoral, the tax collectors, and transforming them with with the good news that he proclaimed. He moved towards the marginalized and the underprivileged, and he had good news for them. Jesus was about preaching good news. He was about proclaiming good news. At the end of Luke chapter 4, he says uh, these words, and it also says something similar in Mark chapter 1. The end of Luke 4, he said, verse 43, He said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Jesus put priority on heralding the message of the good news of the kingdom. He he described it as his purpose. This is why I've come. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to announce and proclaim good news and to bring that good news 
to the poor, to those who are underprivileged. And one of the things that I love about Jesus is, is that he entered into this world as a poor man. He lived among, amongst the marginalized. He was born in lowly circumstances and grew up in, in a lowly family, underprivileged family, if you will. I, I guess it's hard to say that Jesus' family was underprivileged. I mean, if they needed anything, they could just be like, hey, Jesus, can you uh, make some bread for us here? Right. When you got Jesus in the family, it's hard to say that you're underprivileged. But, that, but they, were, they were a poor family. Okay, Mary had to, Mary and Joseph had to offer the offering in the temple with two pigeons. They had to do the poor person's offering in the temple, right? And, and, and so, so Jesus stepped into uh, a life of, of poverty and he identified with the marginalized and the underprivileged. And he actually targeted them. Okay, the world gravitates towards the rich and the famous and the influential Get around those people. Invite those people over so you can socially network and so that they can repay you back for, for, uh, for the dinner invitation. Jesus taught in Luke 14. He said, when you throw a banquet, this was, this was radical. This was like economic suicide in the day. He said, when you throw a banquet, don't invite all your friends, but invite the poor, the lame, the crippled and invite them in to come and enjoy the banquet so that they, they won't pay you back. But you'll get repayment in, when, when, in, in, at the end when you see the Lord. Right? And so Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. Freedom to those who were in bondage. Now, now, many of the Jews were looking for a Messiah who, were de- who would deliver them from the Roman oppressor, okay? from the, the, the big evil power of the day, the superpower of the day, the Roman rule. They were looking for a Messiah who would come and overtake the Roman rule, and Jesus focused more on delivering people from the captivity of their sin. Setting people free from their sin so that they can live in freedom even underneath the Roman emperor. Knowing that ultimately God is in charge. He puts up and he puts down. He sent me, he says, uh, to re- recovery of sight to the blind. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. This describes a life of justice. This describes someone doing justice. That's our Jesus. Let us get a glimpse of him and his heart for justice that flows from the very heart of God, the God of justice himself. And let us see who he is and let us respond in, in worship and gratitude, but also let us respond in pursuit to be like Jesus ourselves. Amen. Jesus did did justice by serving the, the marginalized and the under, underprivileged. So just just notice this: Jesus moved towards the sick, okay, the the lepers, those who that if 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 a, if a common person came in contact with, they would be defiled. Think about coronavirus today. 
And how would you feel about going and being in the same room with somebody you know that is affected with coronavirus? And go, taking your mask off, and you go and put your hand on them and say, be healed in the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus healed sick people. Jesus delivered those who were suffering under Satan's oppression. He served the sick and the suffering by healing them and delivering them. He, he ministered to women and children. When, when children came to Jesus, and his disciples were even like, hey, hey let's keep these kids away. They're, they're messing up the program here. Jesus says, no, let them come. For such belongs the kingdom. Unless you become as humble as a little child, you will by no means enter the kingdom of God. And Jesus gave this respect and this value and this dignity to those who were looked down upon in that culture. And women and children were looked down upon in that culture. They were not given proper value and dignity and respect that the Bible calls us to give towards women and children. And particularly particularly in Luke's gospel, you see the inclusion of women in, in ministry. And, and their part in, in the kingdom of God, supporting Jesus' ministry, those who are also recipients of the gift of the Holy Spirit, who would also prophesy sons and daughters. We see Martha and Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. We see this sinful woman in Acts 7 who was forgiven of her sins. We see this, this widow who was done wrong, who, who just won't stop asking for justice before the judge. And, and, and God, Jesus says, hey, if, 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 if that unjust judge answers this widow crying out for justice, how much more will God do so for his elect who cry out for justice day and night, right? And so he has this... Uh, we see in the book of Acts, Luke volume 2, we see women getting the Holy Spirit, women prophesying. Philip had these daughters, virgin daughters, who prophesied. And we see women like uh, Phoebe, and we see women like uh, Priscilla, and, and different ones. And, and, and so Jesus gives this honor yeah. to women. He, he let women be the very first ones to witness the resurrection. When he rose from the dead, the first ones to carry the good news. We're women. Yep. Go tell the disciples, right? Yep. <laughs> and so this is our Jesus. Where, where culture was putting certain people down, unjustly, discriminating, Jesus is, is lifting them up. Amen. The sick and the suffering, women and children, the poor and the oppressed. He, he restored dignity to those who were poor. He says, for such belongs the kingdom. Blessed are the poor. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The oppressed. He served them. He served the poor and oppressed by announcing good news and then advocating for them. Speaking up on their behalf. Teaching his followers how to treat the poor. That's right. He said, when you do it to them, you're doing it to me. That's it. Amen. And when, when you stand before the judgment, you're going to hear those words. And when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was in prison, you visited me. All right? And they'll say, when, when did we do these things? As much as you've done to the least of these, you've done unto me. That's good. This is God's heart. This is the way Jesus operated. And this is the way Jesus calls his people to operate. When I was sick, you visited me. Okay? 
Jesus impact, uh, served publicans and sinners. He was called a friend of sinners. He had this reputation, and it was true. It was true. And it wasn't because he was compromising and condoning their sin and engaging in their sin. He was sinless. He was holy. He was pure. Instead of being influenced by their sinful practices and sinful philosophies, Jesus influenced the publicans and the sinners. People like Zacharias. Zacharias, who was convicted of his injustice and overtaxing people. And he's like, Jesus, hey, I, I paid back what I took. I, 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 you know, and, and Jesus says, hey, this is a sign that salvation has come to your house, Zacchaeus, right? This is Luke 19, right? Sinners, tax collectors, Matthew. We see Jesus including Matthew as one of the twelve. Jesus has this ragtag, outcast, marginalized group of followers that he calls to this high position of honor. And he trains them, and he teaches them, and he models for them what the kingdom of God looks like. And then he sends them out to be representatives of the kingdom of God. I love how God takes the weak things of the world to confound the, the mighty, the, 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 uh, the, the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, the base things of the world to confound those who uh, consider themselves elite. Jesus moved towards even the Samaritans and the Gentiles. We see him engaging with them, crossing cultural barriers. He served the Samaritans and the Gentiles, reaching across the social and ethnic barriers to share the gospel of the kingdom. And he commissioned his followers to do the same. Now we see mostly Jesus ministered in Israel and he was sent to Israel to start there with the gospel. That was just God's design. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the world. But when he came across Gentiles, and even in this passage here, in Luke chapter 4, uh, when, when Jesus is in the synagogue and he, and he reads these powerful words, and at one point everybody's marveling at his gracious words, and, and, and he says, today these things are fulfilled in your hearing. He's saying, the Messiah is here. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me right now. This is being fulfilled right now. No, no, what is he saying? Who, isn't this Joseph's son? There's some familiarity. As the old saying says, familiarity breeds contempt. Contempt, right? They were like, this is Joseph. We know this guy, right? But they didn't really know him. All right? All right, and, and, and so and then and then he started to say this. He says, "Doubtless you will, you will quote to me the proverb, heal yourself." Um, and, and then he goes on. He says, "Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his own hometown." But I tell you the truth. And then and this is what made them mad. They got mad about this because he says he says there were many widows. I'm sorry, verse verse twenty five. I tell you the truth, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, a woman who was a widow. They didn't like that. Okay, what about Israel? What about our people? Why, 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 why is Elijah sent to the widow in Zarephath? Well, oftentimes when the Israelites, when they rejected God's messengers. Yeah. They would move on, right? Yeah. And, and in God's plan, he started in Jerusalem. The gospel came to Israel, Jerusalem, Judea, 
Samaria to the ends of the world. That's what Jesus commissioned his followers how to spread the message. First, Jerusalem. Okay? The Israelites. Judea. Samaria. The, the ends of the world. The, the Gentiles. God had this great big plan for a, the kingdom of God to spread globally. Yep. Not just nationally. Oh, Christianity is a global Amen. movement. Amen. The kingdom of God is a global kingdom. A universal, Amen. everlasting kingdom. Not merely a national kingdom. And so let us not get too caught up in this idea of our nation being first. Let us have highest allegiance as being citizens of heaven and King Jesus first. Because we're citizens of heaven first and then we're citizens of the United States. And praise God, this is 4th of July weekend. Praise God for the freedoms that we get to experience within this country. Praise God for the, the progress of, of, of issues of justice within our land. And in the ways that justice is uphold, upheld in our land. Praise God for those things. For the protections and the, and the privileges that we have as American people. But let us always keep our highest allegiance to Jesus, the King of Kings. Right. And to his kingdom. And continue to seek and pray for his kingdom to come here on earth as it is in heaven. And let us be people who seek restor restorative justice in our city, in our country. We should delight to see good in our city and in our, in our country. I think it's right to have a, some level of love and care for our country and our city. We are people for the city. And, and we're not, not just our city. We are people for, for that, that should have love and care for all people groups of the world and want all people groups of the wor world to know the gospel, to experience the blessing of forgiveness and salvation that comes only through Jesus Christ. So they need yeah. to hear yeah. the message and we yeah. need to go. We yeah. need to announce it yeah. so that there can be deliverance and freedom and salvation. And lifting up those who are brought down, who have been put down and oppressed. Let us be people who are gospel-centered and people who adorn the gospel with good works, as we talked about last week. Jesus moved towards a Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. He needed to go through Samaria. He went out of his way to stop in Samaria to have this conversation with this woman who was not only a Samaritan, which were despised people by the Jews. The Jews avoided the Samaritans. The, Jew, the, the Samaritans were mixed. They were part Jewish and, and part uh, Gentile. And they were mixed. And, 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 so, and they had some theology that, that didn't line up with Orthodox theology, Biblical theology. And they had some, some, some things that the Jews just looked down upon. And so Jews didn't associate with the Samaritans. Okay? And, and so G, here's Jesus, just impurity and righteousness and justice, just crossing social barriers in his day, not letting those things control him. For one, he, he's associating with the Samaritan. For two, he's a man, a rabbi, man, speaking with a woman when it's just them two at this well. And then three, he said he requests from her a drink from her jar. 
Now, when you're brought up in, in, in racism and animosity towards another race, you don't drink from the same jar as them. All right? But Jesus is like, hey, give me a drink. He's not going to let it bother him. And he's not going to worry about what other people think that he's talking to her because his motives are pure and just and righteous. And he knows her pain. He knows her brokenness. He knows her sin. And he extends grace and mercy. He calls her out on her sin. says, go call your husband. I have a husband. This picture, by the way, is from the Chosen series, which... Me and my family just love. The Chosen series is really a, a great, uh, one of the best uh, series we've seen on, on the life of Jesus. And they've got more coming out. But this is a powerful clip here where Jesus is interacting with this woman. And her life changes. Because Jesus is willing to cross those social barriers, those ethnic barriers in his day. Because he's operating on a different kingdom with different values of the day, right? And there's this domino effect. She believes, and then the whole town believes because of her testimony. Who who does God have in store for you to reach a boundary that, that, that you have to walk across the room, reach across some social boundaries... And engage in a simple conversation in purity to share good news with. So that they might come to know the joy of salvation. And that those who they know may come to know the joy of salvation. Jesus moved towards the socially outcast, the marginalized, the underprivileged. Jesus did justice by confronting oppression. He confronted Satan's oppression in people's life. Acts 10, 38, Luke says that how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. When Jesus saw people who were demonically oppressed, that's the first uh, film of... um, the Chosen there with, with Mary Magdalene. Very, very, they did a very creative job with, with this. But, but Jesus delivered this woman from being demonized. Okay? People who, who the, the, the neighborhood and community write off as hopeless. They're kind of crazy in the head. Stay away from them. They got some issues. And Jesus moves towards them. Because he, he has authority and power to do something about their issues, that, that Satan has set up strongholds to hold them down demonically, but also those who were oppressed with sickness. Satan oppressed with sickness as well. And Jesus came and he healed and he displayed the power of the kingdom. He displayed that there's one who is here and alive, who, who's brought a kingdom that reigns over all. He also confronted the oppression, the oppression of the religious leaders of his day. Now, Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus told the Pharisees, he said, woe you, in Luke, Luke 10, Luke eleven forty two. he said, woe you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. In other words, Jesus was saying, you guys are majoring on the minors. 
You you took this elective course and you think you're doing great, but these these required classes you totally just left off. And these are the main ones that you need to pass if you're going to pass. Justice and the love of God. In Matthew 23, Jesus said, these are the weightier matters of the law. Justice, mercy, and faith. Right? And he said, you guys, you missed it. You missed the mark. You've majored on the minors. But you've missed these issues, these weightier matters of the law that come from the very heart of God, namely justice, mercy, the love of God, faith or faithfulness. And so Jesus confronted these guys. They, they devoured houses of widows, Jesus said. They were, they were hypocrites. They, they were greedy. They, they, they weren't generous with their money. They were greedy. They were money hungry. And there was injustice in that. John the Baptist, by the way, spoke to this. He said, you know, if you got two, two jackets, give to somebody who doesn't have one. You, you soldiers... Uh, quit overtaxing, right? And, and so there's this aspect of justice too. When 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 you're when you're blessed with resources and you see people around you without, it's unjust for us to close our heart and say, "I don't, I, I can't do anything about that." When you can, yep. to be like the uh, the two religious guys who walked by the, uh, the 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 one who was beaten on the road to Jericho. And be like, no, I'm busy. I'm too busy. I'm going to church. I got some. I got a Bible study. I got a prayer meeting. I got this thing to do. But you don't stop to help this person who's been a victim of injustice, who's been robbed. And Jesus uses the example. He makes a Samaritan the hero of the story, which the Jews just irked him. Like, oh, come on, man. Don't don't make us say the Samaritan was in the right of this story. And he did. He did. He, he, he said the Samaritan stopped. He saw. He gave relief to the one who had been taken advantage of, unjustly robbed. And he sacrificially gave of his resources, yeah. brought them to an end to yeah. take care of them. All right? Relief. Okay, now imagine if there was a sequel to that. And, he, and the Samaritan keeps coming by and, and seeing, oh, there's another one. There's another one. There's another one. Well, we've got to do something about this. We need, we need to change this brutality that keeps happening on the road to Jericho, right? We need, we need, we need to reform the system. We need to speak to the system because there's not proper uh, 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 policing and control or, or protection of these who, who are vulnerable to attack here. And so we got to speak to these issues of injustice in our day like Jesus did and teach people the way of the kingdom. Amen? Jesus taught his people to do justice. The Sermon on the Mount, which is part of it, is recorded in Luke and and Matthew chapter 5 through 7. Jesus laid down the values of justice and righteousness and morality in his teaching. And and other teachings he he gave as well. The the Good Samaritan uh, teaches us about doing justice and showing mercy and loving our neighbor by simply stopping and, and helping Justice and the love of God are connected in this in this way. The parable of the banquet, you know, when he says when you throw a banquet, invite the poor, the lame, the crippled. Like don't just invite your, your, your rich friends who can pay you back, but invite those who can't really pay you back. 
invite those where it's going to be uh, it's going to be a sacrifice for you to show hospitality to. Invite them. And, and this is radical. This is radical. This is much easier said than done. This is challenging. Even as I was thinking about this this week, just okay, what does this look like for our family? Let's just let's fill up the home with, with especially during the coronavirus season. <laughs> Invite them over. Now. Uh, pray about it. Pray about how to do that wisely. Maybe, maybe we need to do an outside barbecue or something. Uh, uh, and then at the final judgment, you know, Jesus says, "When I was when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was in prison, you visited me. When I was sick, you did." So the righteous did these things. The unrighteous didn't do these things. Now take note. It's not that we're saved by our works. This isn't a social gospel where we're saved by the good that we do. Okay? The gospel of Jesus Christ is not that. Okay? See, our good works and our doing justice is a response to what God has done, what God has said, and who God is. Okay? It's not us trying to earn our salvation. And so in Matthew chapter 5, at the judgment, the righteous are the ones who have, are responding to grace and mercy. And the unrighteous who didn't respond to it, who didn't show that faith, that love to the Lord by helping the least of these. Here's, here's one powerful truth about the gospel. Actually, let me, let me, just, let me just say this here. Um, about responding to our motive for responding to um, to justice, to being people of justice. Responding to the beauty of who God is, a God of justice, the authority of what God has said, pursue justice, and what God has done through the gospel, he's justified us, is much better motivation than doing justice, responding to guilt, shame, and fear. It is much better motivation than the pressure to please people and keep up with modern culture. If one is motivated unbiblically, then when doing justice isn't popular in a particular area, that person will cave to the cultural sway. We must be people who have strong conviction for the why of doing justice so that we continue steadfast in the what and how we are doing justice. That's a quote from Keith Geller. No. <laughs> um, so point us here to the gospel in, in, in closing, almost closing. Jesus satisfied the demands of justice for our sin. This is powerful. Okay, this is, this is key for us. Christ died for our sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. The just, that's Jesus, for the unjust, that's you and me. We have committed unrighteous and unjust acts. We have contributed to perpetuating injustice in, in the world. We've benefited from systems and haven't said anything and haven't said or haven't fulfilled our part in speaking to injustice in the world in so many ways. We've all sinned. 
But Christ, who's our righteousness, Christ the just one, gives us his righteousness. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Okay, This idea of righteousness and justice are, are linked together often in the Bible. The idea of the propitiation and atonement in the New Testament, that Christ has become our propitiation, is the idea that he absorbed in his body, in his sacrifice, the wrath of God that we deserve for our sin. The justice or judgment, the recompense we deserve for our sin. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Look at 1 Peter 2, 23 and 24. And, and while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats. He, he operated in nonviolent, nonviolent resistance to the powers. He spoke to the powers, to the, the evil powers of his day. He confronted the injustice in his day. But he didn't bring out the sword. When Peter tried to pull out the sword, and he did pull out the sword, and he cut the soldier's ear off, Jesus said, put the sword away, Peter. Come on, we're not going to do it like this, all right? Those who live by the sword will die by the sword. Okay? And then he put the guy's ear back on. <laughs> Healed him. Like, man, I love Jesus. Isn't he beautiful? Yeah. Isn't he glorious? That, aren't you motivated to want to follow this Jesus? And be more like this Jesus who pleased the Father perfectly. He didn't revile in return. He didn't use abusive language in return. And if anybody had the right to bring judgment and bring harsh language on somebody, it was Jesus. But he didn't. He didn't revile in return while he was suffering. He didn't utter threats. I'm going to get you on judgment day. Just wait. He didn't utter threats. <laughs> He kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And actually, he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus absorbed the wrath of God for you and me. He bore on his body, verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. Jesus heals the brokenhearted. He heals broken lives. He sets captives free. He delivers the oppressed, and it's through the gospel of Jesus Christ, who he is and what he's done for us, going to the cross for us. Jesus, Jesus experienced the greatest injustice of all, a just and righteous man being punished as a criminal. And he didn't say anything about it. He took it because this was the father's lot for him so that you and I, you and I could be made just and righteous before God through faith. So that you and I can be transformed into being people who pursue justice and righteousness, who live to righteousness. This, this is a quote or an allusion to Isaiah 53, which is another prophetic scripture speaking about the Messiah 
and how the Messiah, this king who would come, he would also be a suffering servant. Now, this didn't fit in the theology of many Jews of the day. They were down with the king part in the justice. Get them! Get the Romans! All right, but the suffering part... They, they struggle with that. How Even Jesus' own disciples, when, when he was telling them, I'm going to have to die, guys. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to die. They struggle with that. But Isaiah 53 makes it very clear that he bore our sorrows and our griefs. He was a, a man of sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The, the chastisement for our peace was upon him. He was smitten by God and afflicted. He was bruised. And by his stripes were healed. It's through him absorbing the, the justice and the just payment for sin. Death. Suffering and death on our behalf. That he's become the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And we get to go free. Amen. Forgiven. Amen. We get mercy. Amen. Justice Amen. and mercy have kissed at the cross. Amen. And God hasn't compromised his standard of justice and righteousness in any way. Because Jesus, the righteous and just one, paid for our sins on the cross. Now, I could, I could preach one more point here, but I don't have a lot of time. But I'm just going to mention it. Point number five is that when Jesus returns, he's going to bring retribution, retri, retri, retributive, retributive justice, recompense. Revelation 19 he comes back riding on a white horse and he's going to bring he's going to judge the living and the dead okay and so those who continue to oppress those who continue to traffic human lives one of the greatest injustices of our day we have more human slaves in the world today now than ever in history I think the number was 20 million that I read the other day. Or was it or was it a billion? It was a lot. No, no, no. 20 million. There's not 20 million. Billion. Um, that's injustice. And he's going to punish those who continue in their sin. And he's going to bring us with him. He's going to make all things right and new. He's going to restore and in, there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. There's going to be no more violence, no more war, no more sickness, no more suffering, no more disease, no more death, no more coronavirus, no more racial tension. There's going to be peace because the effects of justice and righteousness is peace. When you have a just king reigning with a perfect government, there's peace. And when you have that king reigning in your heart and in your life, there's peace, there's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Romans 14, 17. Amen? The death of Jesus displayed one of the greatest injustices in history, yet also displayed God's divine justice being satisfied. For your sins and my sins. What Satan meant for evil. What the Romans and the Jews meant for evil. Murdering the Son of God. God the Father meant for good. That we would be saved. That there would be salvation. And so let us look at some application here. Contemplate the beauty 
of justice in the life of King Jesus and his kingdom. Ponder, contemplate the beauty of justice in the life of King Jesus and his kingdom. Okay? I don't want you to, to pursue justice merely out of this feeling of guilt, shame, and fear or trying to please people and keep up with cultural fads. I want you to see the beauty of the king and, and the aspect of his justice. He loved justice and righteousness. And his life was characterized by that. He pursued it. He showed us the way. He taught us how to live just and righteous. In his kingdom, there will be perfect justice and righteousness for all eternity in his everlasting kingdom. So contemplate the beauty of your king. Behold the beauty of your king and particularly his, the beauty of his justice. Because we are appalled by the injustices that we see in our world. And it is wearisome. It is heavy. It is grieving. It's a burden to, to, to bear. And Jesus bore it on the cross. And we can bring our, our, our burden to the cross. And we can bring our prayers for justice to the King of Kings who will bring justice on the earth. So let us join with Jesus in his kingdom agenda by doing good to all and proclaiming good news. Let, let's, let's be people who are rich in good works. But let's also be a people who are saturating the world with good news. Amen. Proclaiming the gospel. This is how the kingdom expands through our lives. Church, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Amen? Amen. So let us let us close here. Um, can we close in a song? Kevin, would you come up? Would you guys lead in a, in a song? Let's